Coming up this week on Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, Model X gets a new lower price option. I give you my Model X test drive impressions. We've got a small new bit of Model 3 trunk news and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Welcome to the Tesla Motors Unofficial Podcast, episode 50. 50, I mean, you know, I guess it doesn't probably doesn't mean much, nor should it to any of you, but uh, for me, this is kind of a big deal. Episode 50 is the sort of unofficial one-year anniversary, although I've actually done 50 episodes in 51 weeks. We're not technically quite at the exact one-year anniversary, but for all intents and purposes it is, uh, I really genuinely want to say thank all to, to all of you so much for your support over the last year. I know, uh, obviously, I can tell from the download numbers, many of you uh, have, have come on uh, over time, and that's great. That's how, of course, a show works. You find it over time. Uh, I know Model, uh, the Model 3 reveal, episode 35, was a big catalyst, and uh, I just can't thank all of you enough for trying this podcast, for sticking with it, for calling into the Ride the Lightning hotline, which a lot of you did this week, and for supporting me via the podcast Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. It's all uh, just really just gets right to my heart. Uh, again, I, I said I started this because my, my wife was just sick of me walking around the house just t- talking about Tesla all the time. Uh, and it turns out that this podcast has been a great uh, vehicle, pardon the phrasing, for this. And I'll tell you, if you look back, over the past year, so much has happened in the world of Tesla. I really picked the right car company to make a a podcast about, a weekly podcast, no less. You know, the first episode was about ludicrous mode. Since then, uh, we've talked about, we've had the, the launch of Model X, the reveal of the Model 3, the construction of the Gigafactory, which is, of course, set to have its grand opening at the end of this month, the Model S refresh, the long-awaited design refresh, Autopilot's launch, the Solar City proposed acquisition, and just so much more, I mean, in, in a year. So here's to a fantastic year two of this podcast as we inch closer and closer to the Model 3. Oh, and uh, I did, in fact, get a, a small but what is, to me, a very meaningful gift to, for episode 50, which... Of course, it's purely a coincidence, but I'm just going to interpret this as an episode 50 gift. Uh, Elon Musk himself tweeted at me. I've tweeted, I've tried tweeting at him a few times, tweeting him questions or replies to his his tweets with questions, and he actually wrote back to me this week, which was super cool. Uh, I know he you know, he he for a guy with over four million followers, he actually replies to people a lot. I mean, a lot of people when you have a following that large, it's it's almost impossible to even keep up. Uh, so a lot of people with with followings that large just don't even look at their their replies, their at mentions. But Elon does, and he does reply to people. I know he's replied to lots of people, but you know, in all of my efforts to try and get his attention, uh, you know, to to get a reply out of him, this was the first time it finally happened. So I'm super stoked. It was, and fittingly, it was actually happening, it happened while I was preparing this week's show notes. So I replied to his tweet. So he tweeted uh, about the Model 
X rollover crash in Pennsylvania, which we'll talk more about in a bit. And he tweeted, onboard vehicle logs show autopilot was turned off in Pennsylvania crash. Moreover, crash would not have occurred if it was on. So I replied to him and I just said, I wonder why the driver lied about it uh, solely to avoid responsibility for car and or occupant damage, presumably. And a little while later, he wrote back and said, maybe he didn't realize he turned it off, but the car does issue a loud chime and a visual warning on the instrument cluster. So, um, you know, nothing earth shattering. It's not like I broke any, any news, uh, which I know our friend Trev Page uh, has done with Model 3 Owners Club. He, uh, with the, he, he got the confirmation of the, those, uh, those awesome wheels from the prototype that they would go into production. But I, it was my fun little moment in the sun with Elon. I mean, it, you know, he's a guy, again, I legitimately admire in this world. And as far as public figures, I've said, you know, I, that's just, I don't, I can't say I truly admire any public figures, be they many politicians or celebrities. Uh, you know, there, a lot of them are just so such flawed people. I mean, we're all flawed people. But anyway, uh, long story short, that was a really cool thing for me. So uh, I, of course, I, I took the opportunity. I thought, well, maybe I've got his attention for a minute. So I wrote back. I followed up with, of course, a plug for this podcast. You never know. Maybe Elon's hearing this right now. And I also mentioned my wish that I've, of course, said on this show, my wish for Tesla to offer signature red paint as an option for those of us that, that waited overnight and have a time-stamped March 31st reservation. I, you know, I've, I've, I've uh, definitely shared that idea with you guys before. So that is a bucket list item checked for me. Get tweeted at by Elon Musk. Next step, get him on this podcast for a proper interview. You never know. It could happen. Uh, now, let me talk about, uh, you know, I mentioned the Model X there. That was, that was our Twitter exchange was about that Model X crash in Pennsylvania. Speaking of the Model X, I want to tell you real quick before I get into the rest of the news. As I mentioned last week, it was going to happen. Now it has. I went for a Model X test drive this past week. My cousin Pat, who has a, you know, he was visiting from Arizona and has, uh, he hadn't, he'd been dying to see and really get a, an up close look at the X because, as I've probably mentioned, he, he has a, he's a very, very tall guy and he has a bad leg. He's broken it in a couple different places on a couple of different occasions. So, you know, he, it's not the, the S isn't the easiest car for him to get in and out of. You know, he has a first gen S, so no, no parking sensors, no folding mirrors, of course, no autopilot. So the X test drive was his first autopilot experience. And I have a really good picture of him, like, taking his hands off the wheel for the first time, you know, kind of freaking out a little bit, as we all do when we first tried it. But uh, I got to say, he had a, as expected, but he had a much, much easier time getting into and out of the X. And, uh, and then I got to drive as well. He went first, so, and then and I sat in the back seat on purpose uh, because I wanted to play with the Falcon Wing door, and I kind of wanted to just see what was doing, you know, how it felt back there. This was a six-seater, and I already liked the six-seater on paper, and riding in it, I absolutely loved the six-seater. I could, I totally, I just spread out on purpose just because I could, and I was super comfortable. It was really great. Uh, the headroom is drastically increased in the X compared to the S. Uh, it's, it's just a massive difference there. Uh, I'll tell you, the driving feel is, is very similar yet also different in the sense that 
I mean, it's obvious you're not in an, in an S from the headroom to, of course, that, that glorious windshield, which is my favorite thing on the car, to, of course, a bit of a higher ride height, but the car feels much bigger. It definitely feels like a bigger vehicle. I was honestly a little freaked out that I couldn't see the front of the car. Just a, just a sloping hood that ended somewhere out in front of me. But I'm sure if you own an X, you probably get used to it. And of course, you do have parking sensors to help you out. Although, you know, if you're moving, you can't rely on those parking sensors. But I'm sure it's one of those things you adjust to. But being in it for the first time, I was like, oh, I can't see the front of this thing. It's huge. <laughs> that makes me a little nervous. Uh, what else can I tell you about, about my Model X experience? I love the auto-presenting doors and, of course, the Falcon wing doors. Uh, I didn't get to test the Falcons in any tight quarters, though. It was all outside in, you know, plenty of space down in Burlingame at the Burlingame store. Uh, again, I, I rode in the second row on purpose. And uh, what I really liked, again, besides the just the room with the six-seater, what I loved between those... With the with the with no middle seat, man. I, if I had one, I could totally put Maggie the boxer, who's just laying there. Very boy, you look really comfortable right now. <laughs> She's on the couch as usual when I do the show. But um, yeah, like there'd be ton, plenty of room for her to just hang out in there, like lay down between the the two second row seats and a six seater. Um, I like that if I had one, that you know my dream come true. But my five year old daughter could just. If she if she decided she wanted to sit in the third row, uh, in her in her booster seat, she could just walk between the the second row seats. There would be no need to, you know, push the button and wait for the second row seat to slide forward. Nope, she could just scoot right through. So I love that. Um, what else can I tell you? The oh, I that was another thing that really jumped out at me from riding in it. I loved. I mean, I've, of course, I've seen these in pictures, but I really loved the the skylights over each of the two second row seats. Uh, it was like having your own little big sky windshield back there. It was just, it was really neat to just have, have glass above you even in those seats too. So um, I will say, I do have a significant complaint about my brief first drive, first real drive with the Model X. And that's the rear view mirror. It seemed really tiny and almost totally useless. And this was in the six seater. Uh, you know, the, the seven seater is tough. I've seen all the pictures on the Tesla Motors Club forum, uh, where you can just barely see cause there's, there's a, the headrest right in, right in the middle of your rear view mirror. The six seater doesn't even have that, but it's still, it was like just this, it seemed like a tiny little rear view mirror. It, uh, of course you still can't see too much out of it, even in the six seater, but, um, I mean, when I'm in my cousin Pat's Model S, I always like to leave the camera on in the top half of the, the touchscreen anyway, because it really it has practically, as you owners know, it's practically got a 180 degree field of view. It, it practically eliminates blind spots, uh, even when, of course, when you're, when you're just on the move uh, at speed. So uh, I certainly was doing that in the X, and I would if I owned it, but uh, boy, that between the the just the, the whole thing, that, that, that rear view mirror on the windshield just felt pretty useless to me. But overall, just an amazing, amazing vehicle. Uh, Pat was, my cousin Pat was completely blown away such that he actually, he went so far as to have them value his P85 on a trade-in. He configured an X uh, and he's ser- he went home and he's like, I'm seriously going to consider 
doing this. So uh, we'll see what he does. I, I, an X definitely fits him because because of his uh, you know sort of physical medical situation. Um, plus, he'd be getting an autopilot car. But uh, I was I was as blown away as he was, and I've sat in the car before. I've been up close with it. But man, driving it and riding in it was just a whole new ball game for me. Um, gosh, yeah. I, uh, but of course, unfortunately, I don't have the bank account <laughs> to, to actually turn that blown awayness, for lack of a better term, uh, into into an X in my garage, which would be my dream come true. But uh, again, I I've said this before. I love the S to death. I mean, it's it's such a sporty looking, amazing looking car. In fact, just this week, I saw my first. Because I love multi-coat red. I saw my first red S uh, on the road in the sun that, uh, of the refresh that didn't have a front plate. I've seen a few with the front plates. Uh, but uh, just a, this, the whole, the new refreshed fascia, red, but with no front plate. And God, it looked good. But I'll tell you, given a choice between the two, I would actually take the X. I love it that much. But anyway... Uh, let's get back to it, into the news here. There is a lot to get to. I suspect this is going to be a long episode. So I hope I'm using your time, uh, I hope you, you're, I hope I'm using your time respectfully. That's the term I was looking for. Let's get into it. I mentioned Elon's tweet about the Pennsylvania crash, that Model X rollover I mentioned last week. So let me address now what Elon said. Now, as I believe I guessed last week, as I expected would be the case, Elon did confirm that autopilot was not on. But what's interesting is that he could have just left it at that. He could have just said, our logs show that autopilot wasn't on in the, Mo- in the Pennsylvania Model X crash. But he, of his own volition, obviously, he added the part about how the crash, quote, would not have occurred if it was on. So he is really uh, saying, hey, this, this was definitely not in the car. Uh, in fact, the car would have bailed this, this driver out. In fact, here is the log from Tesla. Here's the description. Uh, We got access to the logs. Data from the vehicle shows that auto steer was not engaged at the time of this collision. Prior to the collision, auto steer was in use periodically throughout the approximately 50-minute trip. The most recent such use ended when, approximately 40 seconds prior to the collision, the vehicle did not detect the driver's hands on the wheel and began a rapidly escalating set of visual and audible alerts to ensure the driver took proper control. When the driver failed to respond to 15 seconds of visual warnings and audible tones, auto steer began a graceful abort procedure in which the music is muted, the vehicle begins to slow, and the driver is instructed both visually and audibly to place their hands on the wheel. Approximately 11 seconds prior to the collision, the driver responded and regained control by holding the steering wheel, applying leftward torque to turn it, and pressing the accelerator pedal to 42%. It's crazy how much data they have. Uh, Back to it. Over 10 seconds and approximately 300 meters later, and while under manual steering control, the driver drifted out of the lane, collided with a barrier, overcorrected, crossed both lanes of the highway, struck a median barrier, and rolled the vehicle. So, uh, and then that's the end of that. Sound, so to me, that sounds like he may have either been asleep or fatigued. I mean, that is, that's my interpretation. I, I, you know, Tesla didn't say, of course, it's not their sort of place to say unless they know definitively and the, the driver hasn't commented to, to the best of my knowledge as I prepared the show. But 
That sounds to me like a, a driver who was either very fatigued or possibly asleep. And then woke up and jerked the wheel and, you know, at boom, accident. In fact, uh, you know, now we're, so we're seeing autopilot get blamed uh, unfairly. This is not the first time. It's not going to be the last time. I wanted to go to a call. We've got a lot of calls this week. We're going to get to a couple during the news uh, sprinkled in and then some more in the Ride the Lightning Hotline segment later. But I want to go to Paul from Texas, who has a, a great call here. A little on the long side, I had to trim it down a little bit, Paul, so please don't take offense, uh, about a story. I also saw this about a, a story about that happened to Audi in the United States during the 1980s. So, Paul, take it away. Hey, Ryan, this is Paul from Texas. Uh, really enjoy your show, and I just listened to the, this last episode, and I read, I've got a couple of comments. I read uh, somebody had put up a story about Audi in the mid-1980s, I think it was 1985 or 86, about somebody that had reported unintended acceleration in an Audi car, and then suddenly everybody was reporting, uh, as the, the article said, that their cars were lurching, jumping, d- dancing pirouettes. It's like one person said, oh, my car accelerated, you know, and it had something to do with the fact that the Audis uh, generally had their pedals closer together, which uh, was not typical of American cars, but everybody jumped on the bandwagon for that. That sounds an awful lot like what's going on with the autopilot thing. The second point was autopilot is I, I have a Ford Explorer, a 2013 Ford Explorer, and it has automatic cruise control and lane guidance and correction, or whatever Ford calls it. So if I'm going down the highway and I set the cruise control at 70 and I turn on the lane and let go of the wheel, the car will steer itself down the lane, although it ping-pongs because it's not very good at it. But after 10 seconds, if the steering wheel doesn't show some movement, like I have my hand on it, I start getting warnings. And eventually it will say, driver alert, driver pullover, needs rest. It shows a little cup of coffee, all this business. Autopilot is no different than that. A lot of people seem to think that autopilot has some magic. The name is, it's not named right because it's autopilot like planes. Well, in a plane, people can correct me if I'm wrong, but autopilot just maintains altitude, maintains speed, maintains heading, and that's it. That's really all autopilot does. And, you know, I, the only experience that I can draw from is like the movies. But when autopilot shuts off in an airplane, it goes into a dive. There's got to be a pilot there to be able to take over at any second. Same as a car. So everybody making all this noise about how it's named autopilot. And that's it give, lulls you into a false sense of security. No, it doesn't. People just have this thing. They think autopilot. They think autonomous. And it's not. It never has been. It never will be. There are some jets that are smart enough to, to take off, fly, and land. But the sky is way, way clearer than any highway will ever be. And nobody uses them that way. So anyway, those are my thoughts. It frustrates me to see so many people just pile on a new 
a new car manufacturer like that because Audi almost pulled out of the United States completely, according to this article, in the 1980s because everybody piled on with the unintended acceleration. And we saw that a few years ago with Toyota, too. Everybody freaking out because their Toyotas were coming to life and roaring into the sides of buildings and driving off highways. It's the driver, always the driver. Anyway, thanks for letting me vent. I really enjoy your show. I'm saving up for my Model X, too, so we'll be buds soon. Bye. Paul, I saw the same story. Also, great call uh, in the future. I pl- uh, try to keep it cut down a little bit. Like I said, pr- about a minute, minute and a half for calls is best. But anyway, uh, you are absolutely right, Paul. This is totally history repeating itself, except now instead of uh, the gas pedal and the brake closer together and, you know, unintended acceleration in, in 1980s Audis, it's autopilot. People will pile on. You're seeing it now with the media. You're seeing it with people blaming autopilot for accidents when autopilot wasn't on, like this Model X situation. Uh, Tesla is going to get through this, as I, I believe. And I'll tell you, as the company dra- is dragging the rest of the automotive industry into the future, the thing is they're going to have to bear the burden of all this public and media scorn. I mean, that's like I, I made the really, I recall doing a very, very bad British accent uh, <laughs> some weeks back. Uh, the scene from from The Dark Knight, you know, where Alfred is telling is telling Bruce, like, you know, you have to you have to bear this because you you're the only one who can. Batman can can be that symbol, can you know, can absorb this. They're kind of the Batman in this situation where they're doing good, but they're gonna get crap for it so uh that's how i see it anyway let's hear uh, more from elon musk on twitter now this i was hoping this would be ready in time for this week's show but uh no such luck of course hopefully (laughs) what usually happens with these things is it'll it'll happen like right after the show posts and but whatever what can i do so elon on twitter say says quote working on top secret tesla master plan part two hoping to publish later this week, referring to this week that's that's finished. So it did not happen as of my recording. Uh, and boy, I got to tell you, if this was out of nowhere, I I wonder, I genuinely wonder if, if uh, Elon doing another top secret Tesla master plan blog is an effort to combat what he perceives to be the public's misunderstanding of the solar city situation. And what and what he envisions, what Elon envisions as the future of Tesla. And I got to say, the timing might be a way for him to try and combat the, the negative news cycle that, that Tesla's stuck in. So now, if you're not familiar, the first Tesla secret master plan that Elon wrote was in 2006. It's still on Tesla's site, by the way. I highly encourage you to read it because it is, it, 10 years later, it has almost entirely come true, and it is in the final stages of entirely coming true. But that first secret master plan was a general outline of what Tesla was going to do, which was three cars. The expensive, limited production car, which was the Roadster. The less expensive, more mass market car, which was the Model S. And the affordable mass market car, 
which is the Model 3 that, of course, has been unveiled and that 373,000 of us are now waiting for. So that's what the... And, and he wrote that 10 years ago, not only before the Model S, but before the Roadster. So he made it all happen. He helped make it all happen with the Tesla team. So needless to say, very, very curious to see what the second master plan is going to be. Uh, I wonder... Will will it be about cars at all? Like you know, specific you know model. I wonder, could it be about bigger picture things like, say, the Solar City? You know, his plans for for a Tesla energy company. Will it be about the Gigafactory somehow? Will it be about like Tesla trucking? Like Tesla getting in, wanting to get down the road into a, you know, a you know hauling trucking electric trucking situation, um, or. Will it be as simple as their next three cars? Maybe, you know, the Model Y, the next-gen Roadster, and the Model 4, which he's mentioned before, which will be, you know, like the, the $15,000, $18,000, you know, compact size sedan. So we'll see. I mean, assuming that he, he posts it this week, since he didn't make it last week, uh, definitely you can look for that to be the big topic on next week's show. Uh, and if you happen to catch it, if it does go up next week and you want to react to it, please call in and I'll play the, um, you know, we'll have a nice big segment about it. So, uh, master plan part two on the way from Elon Musk. We're not done with Model X news yet, though. You'll remember last week, uh, I was a little bummed out, a little frustrated from just having to cover nothing but, but seemingly dire, bad, or, or unpleasant to discuss Tesla news. I requested at the end of the news segment last week some good news from the Tesla gods to talk about this week, and I got it. Here it is. The 60D has made its way to the Model X after recently, of course, being introduced on the Model S. Now, the 60D Model X is, has a, a range, an estimated range of exactly 200 miles. It has the same 6.0 second, you know, flat 6 second, 0 to 60 time as the 75D because it, in fact, like the Model S, it is a 75D, but it's software locked. And it starts at $74,000 before any incentives, which is $9,000 less than the 75D. And, of course, you can upgrade it anytime you want to a 75D. You can fully charge it. Uh, so, you know, you're not sort of being hit with a, a range mode penalty, which we've discussed, you know, how uh, that's a benefit of the 60s uh, on S and now on X as well. Now, some in the media, obviously, as you would expect with the way the media tends to treat Tesla, some of them, a lot of the, some in the media took this as a desperation move since Tesla missed their delivery guidance last quarter and in fact might not make their full year guidance. And I got to say, I mean, while it's certainly possible that that factors into it, I'm not discounting it at all. Uh, I look at it another way. I look at it as Tesla is now ready to sell Model Xs, whereas before they were, uh, I'll tell you, uh, my Jordan, which was the name of, of the delivery, well, the, the specialist, the consumer rep that, that took Pat and I out for our Model X test drive, really nice guy. If you're ever in the Burlingame store, say hello to him. He's, he's a good guy. Um, he, he was telling us sort of unprompted 
Well, my, uh, Pat asked a question about, oh, are you, you know, what's the ratio of S's to X's? And Jordan said that they're actively trying not to sell the X, or that they, they had been actively trying not to sell the X because they just couldn't fulfill the backlog, presumably because of the production ramp wasn't there yet, and you know they're still having some ironing out the issues with the X. So to me, this tells me that Tesla is ready to start selling lots of Model Xs. They've smoothed out their production ramp, they're going to clear the backlog they have, and they are ready to get a whole heck of a lot more orders. And I'll tell you, it wasn't just, I'm not just going off of one bit of anecdotal evidence. I'm going off of a few more bits. I've seen, I've actually seen other people post on the Tesla Motors Club forum that they've been told the same thing from, from uh, Tesla store employees, that they've kind of actively tried not to sell the X because they, you know, they just couldn't keep up. They, they, you know, they've, they weren't ready to yet. So um, it seems like they're just ready for more business. And I'll tell you, giving a, lending a little bit more ammo to my theory there, if you go to Tesla.com right now, if you go to the Tesla website, they have a new autoplay like fancy video up when you just when you land on the site. You remember the one they had for a while, which was just the Model S? It was it was about autopilot, and it was that that I think it was a white S cruising around with some you know graphics to illustrate autopilot going on. Well, they filmed a new one of those and put it up, and it's just sexy glamour shots of the redesigned S, you know, the refreshed S, and then the X driving, uh, you know, it cuts back and forth, S, X, S, X, S, X. But the fact is, it has the X in it. Because on the previously on Tesla's site, the X wasn't front and center at all. You had to go up to the Model X tab, click it, and then from there, you could go into the design studio to configure and order one. Well, now it's not only got that this fancy new video with both cars on it, uh, at the top of the page, it says, order yours, and when you click that, it actually pops up, it brings up a pop-up, not a literal pop-up window that you'd block, but, you know, brings up a little window on the screen uh, that says, that gives you the choice of S or X, and then takes you to whichever design studio you select. So that tells me that they are ready to, they are ready and, and uh, able to produce and sell a lot more Model Xs now. So uh, I think this is great. It's just going to get the X into more people's hands. We'll start seeing more of them on the road. It's just, uh, it's excellent. That is, it's great. I hope everybody, I, if you can get one, man, I'm, I'm, I tip my cap and yeah, just do it and enjoy it. I, based on my little test drive, you're going you're gonna to have a ball should you choose to order an X. All right, Consumer Reports. They've uh, got an interesting history with Tesla. They, of course, infamously gave the Model S a better than perfect score before realizing that they'd broken their own scale uh, and <laughs> corrected it, they are now calling on Tesla to back off of autopilot. In an editorial, they, su- they suggested that Tesla should do a few things. One, disable auto steer until it can be reprogrammed to require drivers to keep their hands on the steering wheel. Number two, they, they call on Tesla to stop referring to the system as autopilot as they feel it is misleading and potentially dangerous. Number three, issue clearer guidance to owners on how the system should be used and its limitations. And number four, 
They call on Tesla to test all safety critical systems fully before public deployment, i.e. no more beta releases. Now, Elon clarified that they, what he means by beta uh, with autopilot is fewer than 1 billion miles used. Uh, I can't fault anybody for, uh, for, for, for you know, calling Elon out on that one because that literally, that does not, that's not what beta means to anyone else in the world. Like beta means unfinished software. That's what beta means to everyone. So um, there's, a, there's a point for consumer reports there. Now, Tesla gave a response to this because, you know, yes, it's one editorial, but this is consumer reports. You know, what they have managed uh, through the print age and now into the online age, they have remained a very influential media source. So they, are, uh, they do matter. Tesla's response to this is, quote, Tesla is constantly introducing enhancements proven over millions of miles of internal testing to ensure that drivers supported by autopilot remain safer than those operating without assistance. We will continue to develop, validate, and release those enhancements as the technology grows. While we, uh, here's the fun part, while we appreciate well-meaning advice from any individual group or group, we make our decisions on the basis of real-world data, not speculation by media. Ooh, jeez. <laughs> I, I guess I love how Tesla always manages to sneak in at least a little bit of a burn on, on all their statements when they defend themselves. It just It's just so fun. It's so much fun when they do it because other companies don't do that stuff. Uh, now, according to Electrek, Tesla is reportedly working on another blog post uh, to highlight how autopilot works as a safety system and what drivers are expected to do after they activate it, according to a statement from Elon provided to the Wall Street Journal. And uh, the Wall Street Journal also reports that Elon said, quote, a lot of people don't understand what it is and how you turn it on. Uh, so clearly some more consumer education does seem to be needed here. By the way, on a related note, speaking of Tesla, of Elon specifically in the media, uh, <laughs> after the whole Fortune magazine kerfuffle, Elon blocked them, blocked Fortune magazine on Twitter, which is just hilarious because, uh, and, you know, nobody would really have known except that Fortune took a screen grab of it and tweeted it out with the caption, why can't we be friends, Elon? Uh, and I got to say, like, come on, good luck gaining any sympathy by, by trying to make light of it, Fortune. I mean, Fortune knows exactly why they're blocked. Because it, it's not going to actually stop them from seeing Elon's tweets. They can, any of their, unless he's blocked all of their editors, but they can always make an account. Like, they can, you know, they'll, they can see Elon's tweets and use his tweets, quote, you know, and quote, quote him in stories if they want to. But it's basically, it's a public middle finger to Fortune magazine is what it is. And I thought it was a little, probably not the smartest move for, for Fortune to call attention to it. I mean, I, I think they're trying to gain sympathy. I think it makes them look bad. Uh, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I just thought it was... I got, a, I got a kick out of it. I'll say that much. Meanwhile, uh, continuing the whole autopilot uh, fatality aftermath, the Wall Street Journal reported after market closed that the SEC is in the early stages of investigating Tesla over a possible securities law breach 
regarding the, dis- the very disclosure that Fortune uh, accuses Tesla of, of not making regarding that autopilot crash. Now, the good people at Electrek reached out to Tesla about this and got a response. The response from Tesla is, quote, Tesla has not received any communication from the SEC regarding this issue. Our blog post last week provided the relevant information about this issue. So kind of a he said, she said situation there. You know, there are other ways to slice that. It's possible that Wall Street Journal source is somebody at the SEC and they're planning to uh, investigate Tesla but haven't contacted them yet. Whatever the case, I, I say go ahead. Go ahead and investigate them. Go ahead and investigate Tesla on this because as I said last week, this is, again, yes, you're listening to a Tesla podcast. Yes, you're probably a, a, almost certainly a Tesla enthusiast yourself. So you may very well feel the way I do here. But uh, it's not the reason that I give Tesla and Elon the benefit of the doubt here is because, again, it's not in Elon Musk's MO to manipulate the company for gain like this. It's just not. He's never beha- behaved this way. So I say, let it all get cleared up. Go ahead and investigate. Let it all get cleared up, and we'll prove Fortune Magazine wrong on this one once and for all. I'm not saying they're a horrible outlet. They've clearly, they clearly, uh, you know, they do a lot of good work, but but they're, let's get them, we'll get them proven wrong on this. If in fact that's what, or, you know, I, I will be surprised if, uh, if an investigation yields any, any, uh, wrongdoing by Elon or by Tesla, but we'll see. Yeah, let, let it happen. Let's let the, let's get the investigation going. I, I'd say bring it on. So all of this autopilot hullabaloo, let's hear from Cody uh, on the Ride the Lightning hotline who uh, he's wearing his Tesla shirt and he's getting people coming up to him about it. Cody, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, it's Cody calling uh, Atticus 86 on Twitter. Hey man, can you believe Elon replied to your tweet? I was so happy for you. And then he also replied to my tweet. So I was like on cloud nine there for a minute. So <laughs> anyway, that was awesome. Uh, reason I was calling, I didn't realize how bad this recent autopilot media scandal has affected everyone <clears throat> in Las Vegas for a conference. And like a true fanboy, I was wearing my Tesla t-shirt and shorts and uh several people stopped me and started a conversation just out of the blue you know around autopilot uh and several people said they wouldn't drive the cars that they wouldn't even own a tesla they were glad they didn't own a tesla because of all the you know fud in the media right now so tried to squash what i could but uh just wanted to see things probably different in the bay area I'm actually from East Tennessee, so pretty much nobody even knows what Tesla is. So it was interesting coming out here to Vegas, um, getting people's opinions and kind of their their look on things. And it's, it's, it's really bad right now. So anyway, hopefully Tesla can power through. Don't think it's going to uh, take them down or anything, but just uh, wanted to leave you a message. And good job on the podcast, and thanks for all your hard work. Cody, great call, and I have to tell you, my friend, all, in my opinion, all you can do is exactly what you've already done and what you're already doing, which is calmly and politely correct the FUD. 
to, to people that approach you. I have a lot of experience with this, as I've said, from my DeLorean days. There's so many, although I don't know if I'd quite call it FUD. I mean, DeLorean's gone. The company is gone. Um, but it, you know, misconceptions, certainly. Uh, that They were definitely that. And, uh, of course, now with Tesla being very much an active company, a growing company, social media amplifies the heck out of things. But, uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing, which is correct those misconceptions when people ask you about it uh, if you're wearing your Tesla shirt. And and that's that's all you can do. And then let Tesla's continuing innovation and their their great products do the rest i mean that's that's all any of us can do so not everybody in the media attacked tesla this week uh road and track of course uh, one of the one of the biggest automotive magazines out there they came to tesla's defense in a column that i i wish i could retweet it a hundred times it is called it is very titled a very britney spears-esque uh, leave Tesla alone. Probably not supposed to be read like that, but maybe. I highly encourage just if you just Google that, just Google uh, road and track, leave Tesla alone. You'll find it. I'm sure it'll be the top result. I'm gonna re- just read you a quick excerpt. It's a, it's a wonderful column about uh, how we're all you know. It's just horrible that we're all attacking this company that's doing wonderful things instead of celebrating the wonderful things that they're doing. So here, here's a great bit from near the end of it. Uh, it's, can you imagine if the media had treated Henry Ford in the Model T area, the, uh, pardon me, the Model T era, the way these idiots deal with Elon Musk? I can just imagine the headlines. And then uh, he gives uh, some example headlines. Horrible racist anti-Semite wants people to do the same job all day for just five bucks. <laughs> some early delivery Model Ts are breaking owners' wrists. Model T owner runs into horse, dies. Ford fails to deliver improved quarterly profits or stock price increases. Puts money into River Rogue Gigafactory scam instead. And then the last one. Customers are triggered by having no color choices on crappy little car. Some vow to repaint it themselves. So uh, that's, that gives you a little taste of, of that column. Again, highly encourage you to read it. It's, it's actually... It just it all. Not only is it a good piece that makes a lot of great points. It just as a Tesla fan and enthusiast, it felt good to read this week. So I highly encourage you to do the same. In fact, Tesla's autopilot director Sterling Anderson commented on this road and track piece, saying, "Quote: It's been a dark couple of months, from losing an avid supporter." to being exoriated in the press for pioneering technologies designed only to make driving safer on the net. Thank you, Road and Track, for shining a small ray of sunshine on a widely misunderstood team. Also, uh, we're not done. We've got so much, a lot of news this week. Elon expressed his amusement on Twitter for a study by a company actually called Pied Piper. Yes, Silicon Valley fans, really. Uh... A study that sh- that had Tesla finishing dead, quote unquote, last in a best car salesman survey. Pied Piper CEO Fran O'Hagan said that while staffers at some Tesla stores were found to act more like car salesmen, and to be fair, a lot of Tesla store employees were pre- previously employed at other dealerships, he says that at most Tesla stores, employees tended to act like, quote, museum curators because they were knowledgeable about the product, but they never asked for the sale. 
So there you go, which is exactly how Elon wants it. By the way, uh, while Tesla scored the lowest in almost every single category in this Pied Piper research, uh, the automaker did receive the highest rating for discussing features unique from the competition, which just says Tesla store employees are doing their jobs. Uh, I have to say, if, you, if you've never gone into a Tesla store, I advise you to check one out if you've got one nearby and have the opportunity. They really are super cool. And at this point, in a lot of the stores, you can actually sit in Model X if you haven't seen one yet. And most of the stores have a, have a uh, chassis on the floor somewhere in the back of the store that just shows you what the, you know, the underbelly of the S looks like, the battery pan and the, the electric motor. It's really cool to see. Super cool to see. More autopilot talk. But I've still got a few more news stories here. My voice is holding strong. Elon talked about autopilot advances in a way that I confess I am way too dumb to understand. I, I thought I was of moderate intelligence, but Elon tweeted this. Working on using existing Tesla radar by itself, decoupled from camera, with temporal smoothing to create a coarse point cloud, like LiDAR. I have no idea what that meant. And if you click on that tweet, it's a bunch of people replying saying, Yup, <laughs> I have no idea what you just said. But uh, I was able to kind of discern it through context a little bit thanks to some of the smarter people that did reply as Maggie the Boxer chugged some water behind me. I apologize. A gentleman named Eric Smith replied and said, So software-driven big advances coming with autopilot and no new hardware needed for existing autopilot fleet? Question mark. And Elon replied to Eric Smith saying, Certainly moderate and maybe big advances with no incremental hardware. So, it looks like Elon Musk may have more tricks up his sleeve for you existing owners. Before the car, before your cars need new hardware, which that's awesome. And of course, I gotta figure new hardware is going to be required for full level four autonomous driving, which is what Tesla is striving for, and what what I believe the Model Three uh, will come equipped with hardware-wise. We don't know, you know. Again, software might not be ready, but I think the three is going to have that level four capable hardware, just as I feel. And of course, the the Model S and X will would get that hardware at the same time too, I'm sure. But but that's really cool. That is good news that we, according to Elon, certainly moderate and maybe big advances coming with no incremental hardware. So that is really, really super cool news there. Shake it off, Mags. <laughs> good girl. Two more stories to go for you. I told you this was a huge week. Tesla discontinued their resale value guarantee. Now, if you've been following Tesla for some time, at least since the beginning of the Model S days, you may remember that back when the Model S was first really getting out in the world, which was the first half of 2013, Elon came out and personally guaranteed the value of the cars after three years because, you know, people were... Uh, fair, in a, they were fair to question, were these things going to hold up? You know, this was a new com relatively new car company building their first car from scratch because, of course, the Roadster was, the gliders were built by Lotus and then Tesla installed all the battery and electronics. So, you know, Elon had gone out and said, 
I guarantee the value of these cars after three years. So buy one, don't worry about it. You know, if you traded it in, if you end up trading it in after three years, it's going to be worth at least as much as the Mercedes S-Class equivalent. Uh, so that that is now being discontinued. Of course, it, it's been... Actually, it has been three years. Uh, boy, I just look at... <laughs> didn't even realize that. In fact, is three years. So uh, Tesla's statement on this... I, you know, For me, anyway, it's just not needed anymore. The, the S has proven itself in every single category, including resale value. Tesla's statement on this is, quote... We have discontinued the resale value guarantee program as of July 1st so that we can keep interest rates as low as possible and offer a compelling lease and loan program to customers. We will continue to support customers currently financed through the resale value guarantee program, end quote. According to a NADA report last year, this is again via the fine folks at Electrek, the group found that the Model S retains an impressive 57.2% of its value after three years versus the segment average, meaning other EVs, of 49.5%. So that is good to see there. The Model S faring well in the resale value department. Finally, uh, we haven't had a lot of Model 3 news lately. I know that's what a lot of you are most interested in because, like me, that is the car you're waiting for. You've got your reservation. We got a little, little, uh, you know, Elon kind of, we baby birds that need to be fed Model 3 info. Elon just, just gave us a little something this week. And it's about the trunk. If you remember, back at the Model 3 reveal, the trunk, along with that uh, lack of instrument cluster in, in front of the driver, was uh, those were the two most controversial aspects of the Model 3 at its reveal. A lot of people were disappointed that the 3 doesn't have a full hatchback opening the way the S does. And Elon said at the time that the car would still be tweaked and that they were looking at what they could do to widen that trunk opening, though he did still insist that all kinds of big stuff would fit in there. Well, apparently, they figured something out because uh, someone asked Elon on Twitter, but bigger trunk opening for Model 3? That's the most important thing. And Elon simply replied, already taken care of. So, I mean, because we are at the point... uh, it's been about six, I think, six weeks since he said this. Uh, we are due for the quote-unquote pencils down, to use Elon's term, on Model 3. It should be right about now. Uh, if it's not now, it's probably by the end of this month. So uh, they've, they've tweaked it. I expect we're going to see uh, probably a not a night and day bigger opening because night and day would have to be a hatchback. But I do suspect that we'll see maybe, you know, a, a tan- tangibly larger opening for that trunk, at the, re- the rear trunk of the Model 3. My goodness, told you that was a, this was a huge Tesla news week. Man, a lot of stuff to get to, and at least there was some fun stuff to get to. Hope you guys, with all that news, I hope you didn't mind my, uh, my Model X impressions at the top. I figure... A lot, of, a lot of you probably haven't had a chance to drive or, uh, or ride in the X. So I hope, hope you found that uh, not super distracting from, from the rest of the, X, uh, rest of the Tesla news this week. All right, we've got uh, one, two, three, four excellent calls to get to in the Ride the Lightning hotline right after this.
We're back in the Ride the Lightning hotline, and I should say you're back. You're all back from vacation. I think I was right, because I got a whole ton of phone calls this week, which, by the way, I'm extremely grateful for. Uh, several of you, by the way, are going to go into the Patreon-exclusive bonus call-in episode that will air at... Uh, it's going to be I think, doing it at the beginning of each month. So uh, if you want to... So if you didn't hear your... If you don't hear yourself... Uh, on this episode right now, I'll tell you that uh, Anur, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Jason from Toronto, Paul from Connecticut, and Travis from Virginia, all of your calls uh, I've decided to put into the Patreon-exclusive bonus episode uh, for one reason or another, whether it was uh, you know not super time since A lot of the calls this week are about autopilot stuff, so I wanted to kind of stick to that topic. So Uh, You folks can, uh, if you're not already pledging at the $10 level or higher, uh, that's how you hear the Patreon-exclusive bonus episode every month. Anyway, let's get to it. The Ride the Lightning hotline, the place where you can call anytime, 24-7. If if you've got a question, a comment, a discussion topic for the podcast, you call in, you leave the message. It's toll-free, either a call or a Skype, 1-888-888. 989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And of course, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's start with Pete from Carmel, who has uh, some comments as a new Model S owner on his autopilot experience, and uh, he makes a really, really good point, and I want to I want to hit on this with him. So, Pete, take it away, sir. Hey, Ryan, this is Pete from Carmel. I just wanted to comment and on the autopilot situation, and maybe share some observations as well. Um, I recently purchased a Model S 90D, and I picked it up about two weeks ago, and. Uh, it's an awesome car. I love it. Um, I really enjoy, um, you know, the performance and the comfort and obviously not having to go to the gas station. I've used autopilot um, several times. Um, it is a very pleasant experience once you get used to it and you understand how to use it. I think it enhances safety because I can essentially, um, look around my surroundings much more freely without worrying about veering out of my lane. Um, So I found it very helpful. Obviously, I'm using it responsibly. Um, But what I wanted to comment on is that the delivery process, which was very smooth, really didn't include anything about autopilot other than here's how to turn it on, here's how to disengage it. But there were no real instructions on how to use it specifically for certain situations like you know, um, if the road doesn't have proper markings or if the weather's bad, um, you know, if there is construction, uh, if you have to get off the highway at an exit, uh, these are all scenarios where the technology really breaks down and doesn't work well at this level two, um, you know, implementation that they're currently using. So, um, you know, I, I think Tesla bears some responsibility for this. I'm hoping that they're um, you know, delivery specialists will beef up their teaching and do hands-on, um, 
you know, lessons with the new driver so that they understand what the limitations of the technology are. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Thank you. I think you've hit on something here, Pete. Uh, Elon, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, he's talked about the fact that they're working on a new blog post that'll be going up soon that's intended to better educate customers on autopilot. But I, you are 100% right. I am with you on this all the way. I think a significant autopilot tutorial needs to be included as part of the delivery process. Uh, so great idea there, Pete. Thank you so much for that call. Let's go to our friend Lawton in Chicago. It's a frequent caller. He reacts to the autopilot situation. And in fact, he agrees with some of what Consumer Reports has to say. Lawton, take it away. Hi, Ryan. It's Lawton from Chicago. Wanted to call about the recent scrutiny regarding autopilot and accidents. With any new growing technology, at onset there are significant limitations. Autopilot is no exception. When used as designed on divided highways with appropriate traffic, weather, and road conditions, and most importantly, appropriate driver supervision, autopilot can be a useful tool to, as stated by Tesla, quote, to help the car avoid hazards and reduce the driver's workload, end quote. However, when used outside its design parameters, as evidenced by recent news, it can be dangerous. I agree with Consumer Reports' recent statement that more safeguards need to be put in place, including more frequent verification that drivers indeed actively engage. Change the name of autopilot to perhaps co-pilot would probably be helpful. Then perhaps when Teslas are indeed fully autonomous, the name autopilot can be reintroduced. As always, look forward to your thoughts. Thanks again for the Turk Podcast, and keep up the great work. Well, Lawton, thank you as always for your calls. You always, you always have good calls. Uh, I got to say, I don't think you're going to see Elon give in to a renaming of autopilot. Though I got to say, I very much like your, your suggestion of co-pilot. It's like still kind of keeping the name, but like pivoting a little bit. I, I like that a lot. I actually think that's fantastic. But I don't think, I don't see Elon going for it because I think he would see that as admitting he was wrong. Now, to be fair, he has admitted he's wrong before. He admitted the hubris of the Model X, but I just don't, based on all of his comments on Twitter and anywhere else, I just don't think he believes he's wrong. I think if he believed he was wrong, like he, like he has said with the X, the hubris of the Model X, uh, he would admit it. I, but I don't believe that he believes he's wrong here. And I personally don't believe he is either. Because you know what? I mean, people are always going to do dumb things when you give them cool things that they've never had before. That's, people are always going to do that. Uh, I, I agree with, again, the, the previous caller, Pete, I 100% agree with him the Tesla does bear some of the responsibility here. And, and I agree with Pete that delivery specialists should be required to give a thorough tutorial on autopilot, the, the, which he did not get. Maybe even maybe you even require the owner, if they're, if they're taking delivery of an autopilot-enabled car, maybe the delivery specialist has to get uh, the owner to sign off on a sheet saying that they were given proper instruction on the, the, the right and wrong ways to use autopilot when they receive their car. So uh, I'm with Pete there. Love your calls, Lawton. Thank you so much. Let's go to Christy down in South San Francisco. I say down. It's like uh, 10 minutes from here. <laughs> Christy from South San Francisco who shares, uh, we've heard from her before too. We, uh, she shares my frustration with the FUD over the last uh, week or two 
And uh, she's she's got another topic to bring up as well. So, Christy, take it away. Hey, Ryan, this is Christy from South San Francisco. Just wanted to uh, call in and um, agree with you on what a bummer of a week. I mean, all of the, the news and everything with kind of the FUD that's going on, um, it was a, a difficult week. Um, I was on vacation like you had hypothesized, many of your listeners were, and I did quite a bit of defending of Tesla to parents, grandparents, in-laws. Um, but, you know, I think you're right. It is going to come in waves. There's going to be the good and the bad. Um, so I have actually decided to uh, help fight the good fight, and I am starting at Tesla today. So pretty excited um, about that. I will do my best to get you your Model 3 as soon as possible. Um, but just wanted to also give uh, another comment. Um, a few podcasts ago, you had talked about um, the license plate on the front of the Model S, Model 3, how terrible it looks. And um, just wanted to let you know, we we saw a Tesla S in the Costco parking lot yesterday with kind of this little rinkety attachment and the license plate was flapping on the side and it did just look terrible. So, you know, wondering, my husband and I were hypothesizing about, you know, whether or not there could be some other better looking, whether it's a flexible license plate or a sticker or something that was more discreet, lower down, something that wasn't flapping around, but also not going to detract from, you know, the aerodynamics and everything else of the car. So just wondering if you think that, you know, California or any other state would ever consider moving. I mean, we do have the stickers for the Tesla, right, that show that we are a clean air vehicle. Um, So just thinking about other ideas for something to, um, if they're going to keep that law that a front license plate's required, way to make it a little bit more attractive. So anyways, um, thanks for the podcast. I hope you are doing great and we'll talk soon. Bye. Tesla's newest employee, Christy, congratulations. That is fantastic. I'm curious if you're, are you down at the Palo Alto headquarters? Are you at the Fremont factory? Are you at one of the, working at one of the stores? If you happen to be at one of the stores, you know, maybe uh, feel free to call in or or, uh, email in. Let me know which one. I'm I'm happy to, I'd love to swing by and say hello sometime. And and, uh, thank you for being such an awesome uh, supporter of the podcast. But uh, to your question about license plates, I know we're pivoting away from autopilot here, but uh, we've, we've certainly covered a lot of autopilot ground today. The license plate thing. So I've, I've noticed that ever since the front-end refresh, uh, Tesla seems to be putting front plates on every S they deliver. Uh, pardon me, they, every S they deliver, because I've seen a whole bunch of them with the, you know, just the the temporary, like, zero emissions Tesla, just that paper front plate on there, but it's it's on there. Now, but what I, I've not taken an up-close look, but what it, what it appears to be, I'm almost sure here, uh, it appears to be, uh, uh, obviously, a Tesla-supplied bracket that mounts via screws underneath the car, underneath the front fascia, so that you're not making any visible holes in anything. And apparently you can very easily take it off, because I've read a couple of threads on this on Tesla Motors Club forums. So uh, Tesla didn't used to deliver them, deliver cars with any front plate situation at all, which I wish they'd just go back to. I don't don't know if they got some sort of pressure from the government to to put the the front plate bracket on there or what, but... um, I'm sure they have a reason, but still, the good news is, it, it, again, it, it, it seems like 
you can remove it very easily with no uh, permanent damage. And or it, but if you do choose to leave it there, it, it does seem to be a non-intrusive install. Uh, still ugly, but completely reversible. If you or the next owner of the car wants wants to take it off, so uh, I. But I will, boy, I <laughs> I will continue to rally against front plates. Any nice car doesn't look good with front plates because it's a nice car. You know, on a on a I don't know a Chevy pickup truck. It doesn't matter. It's just it's not there to be attractive. It's it's a it's a car of function, not form. Of course, Teslas are both. So it, like any nice car just doesn't look good with a front plate. We got we got to get rid of front plate laws in every state that has them, including California. Anyway, I'm gonna get off that soapbox for now. Final call this week comes to us from Daniel in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, who has some questions about the future that we can that we can have a little fun uh, trying to trying to guess. So Daniel, take it away. Hey Ryan, it's Daniel in Lincoln, Nebraska. Saw you on Colin and Greg Live and just finished catching up on all the old episodes. Uh, I have wanted a Tesla since, oh, I think the Model S reveal, but I recently sort of penciled in 2020 as the year that I finally want to get one. Um, Living in the middle of the country, range anxiety is a very real thing since there's hardly any supercharging or destination stations. Uh, I know... Tesla and Elon Musk have said they want to add hundreds, if not thousands, of charging stations over the next few years. But I was curious what you think um, the highest range Tesla will be once Model 3 is fully ramped, uh, hopefully, in <laughs> 2020. Uh, yeah, what, what do you think the max range will be then? Uh, what version of the Tesla do you think we'll have it? Uh, and what do you think the density of the supercharging network is going to look like? I know I was looking at the projected by the end of this year, and it looks like it's getting way better for my neck of the woods. But, I mean, it'll be exciting to see it even more over the next few years. But thanks. Love the show. Well, Daniel, you are correct about all those charging stations being added. Uh, it, it is happening. The, the rollout is growing. Tesla, of course, knows they've got the Model 3 coming and they're going to need to step up the supercharging situation. Personally, obviously I'm speculating here, but based on my observation of Tesla and their, the way they tend to uh, get things sorted out, I think by 2020, when you're ready to buy your Tesla... It's going to be great, even in the middle of the country where you are, because here's the thing. There will be, by 2020, there will be hundreds of thousands of Model 3s on the road, in addition to the hundreds of thousands of Model S's and Model X's at that point, too. In fact, heck, there, it's possible. I, I'd have to really sit down and do the math, but there might be a million Teslas on American roads by then, possibly. So the superchargers are going to have to be there, and, you know, like a... To go back to the Batman analogy, where Tesla was Batman, um, I don't know, I guess I'm crossing the wires here a little bit, but I believe in Elon Musk. Uh, I believe in Elon Musk. As for the range, you ask about the range that you're, you know, you're, you're concerned about range. Uh, remember, you're doing most of your charging at home, of course, so you're, you're, you're leaving your garage every day with a full charge, a full tank, as it were. However, 
let's go ahead and answer your question. I think the S will always have the longest range, and not just because it's the the upscale up you know the up model the luxury car in the in the lineup, but because the S can physically hold more battery cells than the three uh, or any other potential vehicles that are built on the three platform, like the Y or doubt even further down the road, Model 4, you know, a smaller compact sedan. So I think it's always going to be the S. And I think by 2020, because uh, Tesla's talked about that they could build a 400-mile car right now, but it would be, you know, cost prohibitive and this and that. And they seem to, I feel like they've made public comments about 300 kind of being the sweet spot. And they, you know, they're just about up at that now with the 90D. Um, the inevitable 100D will get there, of course. Um, but I think that the by, by 2020, I think the S is probably going to be at least around the 350-mile range mark. Maybe even they'll have done 400 miles at that point. The, the, the battery chemistry will be better. The, everything will be better in another four years from now. Of course, especially with the Gigafactory helping to accelerate that uh, that progress as well. So that's my guess. You guys just keep this keep this MP3 file around, Daniel, and uh, you can call in and play it back for me in 2020, and we'll see how <laughs> how right or wrong I was. All right, that is the end of the Ride the Lightning hotline. Again, drop me a line anytime. Anything you want to talk about that's Tesla related, the toll free number to call or Skype is 1-888-989-8752. Be right back with a couple final points to wrap things up here right after this. All right, time to plug a few things. Uh, Here's the part where I mentioned that I would be mighty grateful, truly, Uh, If you at least take a look at the Patreon page, if you haven't already, if you're not already pledging, it's patreon.com, pardon me, patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. It tells you what, you know, kind of the bonus stuff uh, you can get your hands on and just, uh, you know, it's it's a way to support what I'm doing here and, uh, you know, whether whether you just want to say thank you or you, uh, whatever your reasons are, would greatly appreciate your support. And to answer, uh, I believe, again, I'm totally mispronouncing his name because I couldn't quite catch it on the call, but I believe it was Anur. Uh, to answer your question, the second call that you left me is the way to go. So that is that is a thing you can do, and, and I thank you for your support. So uh, that's Patreon. Twitter, I'm on Twitter, of course, at DMC underscore Ryan. If it, uh, of course, will not fit in 140 characters, you can always email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Dave T. does a phenomenal weekly Tesla newsletter that's completely free. You should support that by subscribing to it at teslaweekly.com as Maggie the Boxer chugs behind me. You know, I'm the one that needs water, Maggie, after talking for the last hour and what feels like 10 minutes at least straight. (laughs) Uh, Teslarati.com, those those fine folks, Gene and the team there, uh, run a great site and they are very supportive of this show which I uh, extremely appreciate. Most of you get the show uh, via some sort of subscription, whether it's iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, or uh, you can just go on the RSS feed 
or the uh, the actual website. Just listen to MP3s on the website too. Teslapodcast.libsyn.com. And this is the part of the show, the end of the show. Time for the Patreon producer thanks. A reminder that I switched this up because I wanted more people to be able to hear the bonus episode every month. So I switched it so that uh, Patreon uh, patrons who pledge just $10 or more will get the bonus episode. And now to get your name read in the Patreon producer section that I'm about to do now, that is now the $20 tier. And those kind folks who, uh, who are the Patreon producers, I want to thank Jeff Bartram, DJ Harbaugh, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, ZL Klein, Luke Bat, David Brander, and Nick Hoffman. Thank you guys so much for your continued support. And of course, everybody at the $10 level who gets that, uh, that bonus episode as well. Everybody, it's just, you're all uh, extremely kind and generous to not only uh, give me your time each and every week with this podcast to, to help catch you up on the, the world of Tesla, but uh, for, your, for your pledges as well to help me get closer and closer to my Tesla dream. So for a, uh, oh, a very, a, a playful Maggie the Boxer. She's got a toy. She's taken out one of her, one of her toys, one of her chew toys. We'll see if she, she, see if she squeaks it here in a second, but uh, there she goes. For Maggie the Boxer, and uh, is this thing even squeak anymore, Mags? What do you think? Did you kill the squeak? Oh, yeah, this thing doesn't squeak at all. Oh, there it goes. A little bit of squeak left. Anyway, for Maggie the Boxer, uh, my name is Ryan McCaffrey. Thank you all so much. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you guys next week. Episode 50! I did it. Man, thank you all so much. 50 episodes. I can't believe it's been 50 already. Man, feels good. Feels good. Take care, folks. Thank you so much.